Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thank you for joining us on Positively Dad. My name is James Shaw. I'm your host, and I'm so excited that you have decided to join us for episode number eight. You know, the idea behind Positively Dad is just a resource to connect to dads. I'm one, and my wife and I are the proud parents of a first grader. Her name is Naomi. And, you know, when I became a dad, I went, where are the resources to help me? You know, I looked around and just about everything is for moms. The magazines are for moms. Most of the Facebook groups are for moms. If you, you know, just everything's geared toward mom and and there's not a lot of resources for dads. So this is going to be one of them and we're excited that you are listening to us today. Thank you so much. And we're so happy we've connected with so many of you. So a lot of you are following us on your social media platforms. We're on Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter and we thank you for that. We've gotten reviews, so wherever you're listening to your podcast, if if you wouldn't mind, you know, a review afterwards would just be great. And then would you share this with people? Just share it with with dads who you think would find value out of what we're sharing here on Positively Dad. And and so today we're going to look at something. You know, the the idea behind this is what do we need to be thinking about as dads uh, to really help uh, be great ones. And we've talked about all sorts of things on the podcast that I believe have added value to you. And today we're going to look at something that is a really hot topic right now, and it's screen time. You know, and, and it's like, it's the thing where we don't know what are we supposed to do, and how much do they watch, and what do they watch, and how much time should they be spending, and and then as they get older, what other issues come to play, and all that sort of stuff. It's just a, it's a hot topic right now. In fact, back in December on 60 Minutes, they t- talked about the beginning of a study that the National Institutes of Health is doing. It's going to be a 10-year study, and they're going to look at 11,000 kids over the 10 years. Now, they've just started this. And, and in the initial look at this, at this research, it actually showed some impact in the brain and that, that the, these kids who were spending more than two hours a day on screens actually performed worse on thinking and language tests. Except is it really about how much time we're spending? Because most of the research that comes out says, well, you should limit it to this amount of time or that amount of time. Or, you know, if they're this young, they should only spend 30 minutes. If they're this age, they should spend an hour. And, and I'm wondering, what if it's not really about how much time? What if it is about what are they doing? And our guest today is going to talk about just that. His name's Dr. Jordan Shapiro. He is a professor over at Temple University, and he also wrote a book called The New Childhood. And The New Childhood is about what it's like to raise a child right now in 2019. And how can we look back at history and take this kind of screen time debate and frame it around the debates we've had about how to raise children in the past? So I'm very, very excited to welcome Dr. Shapiro onto the program today. Dr. Shapiro, thank you so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Well, you know, what I loved about your book and what I've read and what I've seen is you're telling us the opposite of what everyone else is telling us when it comes to screens. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's com- the complete opposite. I, I, I you know, I think, uh, I think I often get uh, people imagine that I'm, I'm really super, you know, pro screen time. I think kids should be on screens all day, and they, I, I think people get that idea in their head. Sometimes I think I'm actually worried about the same things as all the people who, who say the, who say, you know, stay away from screens. I just don't think the solution to that is. Uh, uh, is turning away. I think it's turning towards and doing that with a, uh, with, 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 a, with a healthy attitude. You know, we, there are a lot of people who call this the fourth industrial revolution yeah. that with, with technology and AI. I mean, screens aren't going anywhere. You can't go anywhere without them. So it seems to make a lot of sense that it's not, I guess the, what I took from, from what you were saying is it's not about how much screen time, it's about what are you doing? Yeah, well, well, certainly. I mean, look, the the first I don't really like the term screen time to to begin with, um, and and one of the reasons I don't I don't like it is is because screens aren't really optional anymore. Uh, you know, we all need them in order to do so many things. Uh, if you think about all of your your job or your professional relationships or your personal relationships, and just try to imagine what it would look like if you had to manage your entire life uh, with, while only using a screen for, you know, 30 minutes a day, I think it would be pretty impossible for most of us at this this day and age. And so, you know, they're here to stay. They're part of our they're part of our lives. We, we, we what we really need to do is to figure out how do we get kids to live with them in, in, a, in a healthy way so that they grow up into adults who live with them in a healthy way. And, and that's not really a question of how much time necessarily. Uh, it's a question of of how it gets integrated into a daily routine so that you have both uh, both uh, um, real life experiences and and virtual experiences but it's also about what you're doing on those screens and whether you're you're using them for things that sort of are are aligned with with with, with our values aligned with the kind with the kind of world we want to see for our kids so how do we do that in a healthy way? I mean, you talk about in the book, uh, you talk about playing video games with your kids, right? And how that was healthy for you guys. It's, it's bonding, it's relationship, it's hanging out. How do we do that in a healthy way? Well, well, I, you know that that's sort of one example. Is you can you can do it by by uh, spending time playing games with your kids, and 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 one of the reasons I just use that as an example because in almost every other part of child rearing, what we do is we spend a lot of time doing the activities with our kids, right? Like if you have little kids, you don't send them out on the playground the first day and go, okay, go figure it out on your own. No, and that if you walk into a playground, you're going to find a lot of moms and dads and other kinds of caretakers running around with their kids, sliding with their kids, showing their kids how to play. But also while they're doing that, they're doing a lot of intervention. They're doing things like saying, saying, oh, you need to say, excuse me, let that person go first, be nice, no hitting, right? All these kinds of interventions that we do in order to teach good behavior. So when I'm talking about playing with, with video games with your kids, I'm sort of saying, well, why aren't we modeling uh, beyond even just modeling, like why aren't we engaging really deeply with our kids in their screen lives to make sure that the things they do uh, and that the way they engage with those things really match match our value system, right? Like I don't want my kids the cyberbullying people, and I don't want them to get cyberbullied. But all bullying, the best way to teach people not to bully is to actually uh, is to actually sit next to them and go uh, uh, when they're really young, teach them the better, kinder, more collaborative ways of interacting with each other, not to sort of send them off on their own and then see what happens. Well, that's so smart because, you know, gosh, we do go to the playground with them and then we give them the tablet. 
<laughs> well, that's what that's what that's what's always shocked me is that is that for some reason when it comes to screen time, we we just like hand our kids these things and we go, now you're on your own. See what you figure out, and then we're shocked that they don't use it the way we would want them to. Well, did well, you they tell end up them how you wanted them to? <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't teach them. You're right. They end up watching my. I have a first grader. She wants to watch YouTube videos of people opening toys. Now I go, what is the point of this? And she eats it up, and and I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't see the point. I don't see the value in watching it. I mean, my guess is that something like that's pretty common. Oh yeah, uh, of course. Well, I, and first of all, I would say this, right? Uh, I mean, I agree with you. I, I find those toy opening videos to be to be ridiculous. Uh, you know, they're just they're just sort of glorified commercials and sort of the the, the worst the worst aspects of our of our consumer culture are like brought to life. Uh, um, and 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 I don't like them. Um, but um, kids are always going to do things their parents don't like and don't necessarily appreciate. Um, you know, I think first we need to ask as parents where are those lines where the things that they they do that we don't like are you know cross the lines to being uh uh you know out of out of alignment with our values because if they're out of alignment with our values then we want to stop it right but if what we're talking about is you know you're watching a commercial that i don't understand well i watched lots of tv that my parents thought was dumb when i was a kid too they didn't like the cartoons they didn't like uh they didn't like the, the commercials either and i think the best way to handle that is actually to sit with sit with your child and 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 watch it with them and tell them what you don't like about it the whole time. That doesn't mean they're going to stop doing it, but at least you've you've sort of handed them this this critical voice that they that they can keep with them while they're watching it all the time. So so, so in, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was saying instead of banning them, just do what our parents did when we were growing <laughs> up and say, "Why are you watching this stuff?" Yeah, I would tell I would I would sit there and be really honest. I mean, I've done this with my kids many times and be really honest about the about why you don't like it, what it is, what you think it represents, right? Explain that. Kids are way more sophisticated than we tend to than we tend to think they are. Um, um, and they can understand that. And it doesn't mean they're gonna agree with you. But I think it's important to have those conversations. I've always said like tell your kids when you don't like what they're doing, but uh but but that's not you don't have to ban it and you also don't uh you you also there's a way to tell them you don't like something in a way that's a sort of respectful dialogue rather rather than a you know i i'm i'm the superior person and when i say the, these unboxing videos are bad they're bad you have to agree um you know my kids try to argue back with me we try to have a discussion you know what you know it was that that video game looks violent and, and problematic to me why are you playing it well they make an argument and i tell them why i think that argument's wrong and that could go on for days i don't actually care if they play it if i know they're having that dialogue uh, while they're playing it. So they're learning something from it. So your book, The New Childhood, goes back and looks at the past a lot too as we're kind of moving forward. And and the aha I had was uh, parents being concerned about what their kids are doing is not new. <laughs> that's uh, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I I I think we all sort of know that. You know, we we often talk about how parents were once worried about uh, about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's often the one that they go to. We remember the the 1960s in the U.S. and the and, and the the young people versus the old people. That sort of uh, uh, essential archetypal struggle that that happens in every generation. But I think what you know the the, I, the things that I I try to talk about in the new childhood that I that surprise a lot of people. Is recognizing that actually there was a time when people thought sandboxes were bad. There was a time where they thought everything we think of as good, pure, normal play was not normal, um, and that parents really objected to it. And if you want to understand that, you know, if you think back to you know the 
really early Puritan work ethic idea, right? All idleness is considered sinful. Uh, and so, and so play looks like idleness. It looks like, it looks like you're not, you know, uh, you're not close enough to, to, to God, right? Uh, and, and I think we start to change our attitudes as we start to understand that through creativity, you can actually get get closer to values and closer to, to a moral consciousness. Uh, and, and that changed over time. But a lot of people don't realize that there was a time when so many of the things that we're defending against right now and going, oh my God, we're going to lose this, we're going to lose that, were, were designed so recently and were resisted first. The, you talk about the printing press. I mean, we should do a, I did a story, a podcast recently that looked at reading and that, that there is some research that says actually reading from a physical book to a very young child has a lot more value than like, you know, reading off of an ebook or something like that. And yet there was a time that we were concerned about just even the printing press. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely, absolutely, in so many different ways. Uh, um, I mean, uh, it depends on which way you want to want to look at this. Um, one, one, people were worried about books just because they thought that it would make people um, very isolated. Uh, because you know, if you think before books, uh, people heard their stories in church or in synagogue or around the campfire or you know, at some sort of communal gathering, and then suddenly there were these books where people were sitting alone. So storytelling lost its its communal sense, and and people were really worried that this was going to be a, te a a terrible thing that you weren't going to we, we were going to lose that sense of community, which sounds very familiar to what people worry about today, right? That's exactly uh, what but, I was thinking. Is they going? <laughs> Wait a minute. So we're going to get lost in these things and never talk to any Anybody, and yeah. then so pick up a book instead <laughs> right right uh, and actually there's a whole other side to it which is which is uh what well, you know when when the printing press first came out it wasn't so much books that were that were printed a lot it was it was it was pamphlets that often joined uh uh small local communities and there was pretty much the same outrage as there is currently about social media right the, the sort of echo chamber worry was worried that these small communities were just sharing ideas uh in ways that in ways that strengthened think fake news and things that could be wrong and that was a real concern at the beginning of the printing press because it allowed uh, the, allowed those materials to be uh, to, to be available uh, in a way they never had been before. So you bring up something that obviously we got to talk about, which is social media, because it's not going anywhere yeah. either. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, my first grader literally asked me last week, Daddy, when can I get a phone? Yeah. And I, I'm like, well, well, I don't know what is the age. I mean, I remember telling people I got my phone. I was in high school and they were even surprised then. And now if you don't have one in high school, it's weird. What do you think about when's the right time for a phone? When's the right time to be on social media? I mean, you know, what what do you think that looks like? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. First of all, uh, I, I think the last study that I looked at, and this could I could be a, a few years off at this point, but it was around the, the age of 12 or 13 is when most kids are getting it these days. Um, um, I actually think that's way too late. Um, I, I think kids should get phones uh, way earlier than, than, than we're giving it to them. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why. I'll, I'll use a story from my own family, which is my, my older son, he was probably nine or 10 when he was begging for a... Um, uh, an iPod touch, right? So the, the you know, back when the, there was the iPod touch, which was the iPhone without the phone. Uh, and he really wanted it because he wanted to play games on it. And he, you know, he had played on an iPad and he played on a tablet. So he wanted to have this, 
device that would be his own that he could use it for. And he he actually saved up all his like birthday gift uh, gift cards. And, you know, he asked everyone for gift cards from the Apple store. And then he bought a refurbished one uh, himself. Uh, uh, well, at least he thought it was by himself. Um, you know, I, I, I helped a little, but but I but I liked that he was saving. Uh, but the second he got it, I regretted not letting him get a phone because it suddenly occurred to me that I had just given him the ability to do everything except call me in an emergency. Right. And that I was I had this sort of old sense of, well, phones are expensive. They're for grownups. And so you shouldn't have one and there should be a transition. And that and that made no sense. But I think the other point is almost all the things we're worried about. Uh, happening with phones, right? All the social media, all the all all the all the all the all the content that, that scares parents. That it would seem to me that the worst time to hand that to a kid would be right when they get to uh, puberty, with the hormones raging and the kinds of uh, bullying that happens among teenagers, right? I, I I would much rather see see a kid get a phone when they're younger and they're at the point where they want to follow your instructions at the point where they want to be like dad at the point where they want to want to be kind to each other not at the point where they want to figure out sex and 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 power dynamics and all of those things that seems like a really dumb time to to say here's the first time i'm going to trust you with this um to me uh and and i think and the same sort of goes for social media you know i think there's a lot of dangers of, of, of social media that parents need to be wary of but i think we should be putting our kids in in sort of uh uh you know private enclosed social media groups uh uh younger than we are i would like to see soccer teams or 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 religious institutions have their own closed uh, uh or even large families have their own closed uh um social media networks because i think that would give adults an opportunity to model good behavior so your kids would your, your kids would see how you talk to other adults and they'd be able to see both the positive ways you have those conversations but also the ways we, that you can do teasing in, in ways that, that preserve the other person's dignity that are both respectful and also playful right they're not getting that right now instead they're, they're seeing often just you know really terrible cyberbullying but it is possible to tease people in ways that are also that are also respectful and I, and I would like uh, you know my, my kids learn how to do that in person by watching me and my brothers right my brothers and I we sit at a family dinner we tease each other but we also love each other and respect each other well I wish they could see that also in a social media space because we know how to do that We've managed that. Uh, and how are kids going to learn that if they don't see adults do it? If you think about what is there that's modeled uh, on, on places like Twitter right now, that is exactly not what we want our kids to be growing up to using the growing up and using these platforms in this way. So how are we going to give them a better example? Um, I, I think that needs to start uh, when they're younger and it needs to start by having the the, the, the adults that they love uh, model that for them and, and, and let them let them try and let them make mistakes. Yeah, of course they'll make mistakes, but but we can slowly uh, teach them how to how to do it better. This is the new playground. We take them to the playground and we teach them how to interact with people and and how to treat people and what you do when you make a mistake or don't cut in line. This is just the new playground. We can teach it here. Yeah, well, well, I, yes, I wouldn't. I, 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 the only thing I hesitate is, is I don't want to say the new playground because I don't want to. You know, this is not to replace the old playground. This, this might be the like, pl, you know, pl, uh, playground B, right? The other playground. The other one, <laughs> right? Because yeah. you need both. Obviously, you know, sometimes people hear me say this and they think I'm saying, they think I'm saying, you know, oh, you don't need to go on the playground anymore because you can learn all of these things online. Well, no, what I'm saying is, you need to learn, and you're going to learn it through these safe 
playful opportunities to make mistakes. You learn that in the re in real life on the playground, and you can learn that for the digital world on a digital playground. Well, a concern is that hey, we never go outside anymore, right? I mean, it's I guess uh, the the thing I got from the book was we've had all of these same arguments before about every other thing that's ever come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, first of all, whenever people say we never go outside anymore, I, you know, my my first response is always, hey, I, the only people I've ever heard bring that up are are the people who don't like technology. All the all the people who are pro technology are like, yeah, we should go outside and use technology, right? For some reason, there 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 seems to be a group of people who thinks it's one or the other. Uh, we certainly need both, and we need to teach kids for both. But what I'd really like to see is 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 us teach kids how to use technology as part of their outdoor life too. We have this weird um, polarization between the two things. And when I think about technology, I think about it as the as the tools that 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 that, that originally as the tools that scientists use to to get more engaged with the natural world, right? So you know, uh, uh, Galileo. Leo builds a builds a telescope to get closer to nature, right? Not to, it wasn't technology that took him away. So why aren't we teaching our kids to take their phones outside and photograph things, or to measure the temperature, or to you know, you know there's there's so many ways you could be using tools in this in a way that really integrates it where it's not one or the other and actually creates creates. Uh, more desire to be to, to to be to be outside. As to the the question of of um, of you know, often people when they're talking about outside, it's not just about the natural world. It's also about exercise. They're worried about kids not getting enough exercise. Um, and and to that, you know, most of the way we think about exercise, um, you know, when we think about you know, people didn't go to the gym for most of human history. That happens after we switch to an industrial economy and we recognize that without the the agrarian customs, we don't get the same physical physical benefits that we needed and so we develop things like aerobics and gyms and all of these things in order to address that problem we may have a new problem that involves a new way of starting to go how do we make sure we also care for our bodies so we don't all become the the, the people in wally um but but um but but the idea that that exercise is disappearing because of computers. You know, exercise stopped a long time before computers, and that, and we had to build ways. Uh, we needed to build solutions to solve that. And and quite frankly, now if you if you go to the gym and don't post it on Instagram, then you didn't go. I mean, that's just the way it works. So <laughs> I guess so. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. So this is really interesting. And 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 uh, as we kind of put a bow on this, I just want to tell you that we my first grader right she she saved up her birthday money your a similar story to what your son did and she bought uh one of these watches now yeah. it's not like a smart watch it's by uh, what is it vtech or whatever and it's got it's for kids yeah and and so she just got it like two days ago and yesterday i get home and 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 she's here and she says daddy i'm gonna go outside and i said okay great she says i need my watch i'm gonna go see if how fast i can run now, I, you need to understand, my daughter does not go outside and run. She's seven. <laughs> and she puts on this watch thing, and she's, start, she's running laps in the cul-de-sac. And she looks, and she goes, I got a bunny. And I go, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, that's my score. I'm a bunny. And I want to see if I can do faster. I, I want to get to the horse. And so she starts running. We went outside and ran, and we did jump rope and run the bicycle, yeah. all because she had this watch on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the it, type of thing you're seeing happen, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly what you're seeing happen. I mean, and and, and I think what you're getting to is exactly what what, hap, what 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 we need to think about, which is if if we're really concerned 
then we need, um, you know, said some people are more concerned than others about the indoor outdoor question. But if that's a real concern, if the evidence shows that really it's absolutely true that, that, that nobody's going out as much as they need to, then we need new solutions. And that might be a great, a great solution to that problem. But the idea you know, like like you brought up the jump rope, right? Can you do you think in the Middle Ages people were jump roping? Do you, do you think in the ancient world people were jump roping? Right? Maybe maybe if you were like training to be a warrior, uh, but certainly not with this idea of like I need to keep my body looking good and in physical shape. Um, and 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 that's great. You know, I, that's great. That's what we do. That's what we do as humans. We we take the things we care about and we we reimagine them for different contexts. Uh, you know, that's what it means to innovate. That's what it means to be inventive. We go, how do we, how do we maintain the values we care about? The, 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 you know, there's so many values that we care about that are ancient, ancient, ancient values, the sort of essential values mm -hmm. of human civilization. And we constantly need to reinvent them. That's our job as grownups is we teach our kids how to care about the same things and how to recognize that those things matter, even if they look different. It's so great. And even after reading your book, I was anti-watch. I, I, I didn't want the watch. And, um, and then she gets it. And yesterday I go, okay, I got it. It's all good. It's around. She's going to have one anyway. Actually, I went to see who owns the company that makes it, and it's AT&T. So, of course, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so, okay, so as we wrap up, I guess, what would then be the main things you want dads, and we have some moms that listen as well, what would you want parents to know when it comes to screens, technology, I mean, all of this, this revolution that we're in, what do you want to know about this and how it applies to them as parents and their kids? Well, well first, I want, I want to say that I, I think parents are often very afraid of uh, of these tools, uh, and they're afraid of these tools because they uh, somewhat because they look at it and they don't understand it, right? Like, I, you know, I'm a pretty tech savvy kid, but I, I can barely uh, I can barely manage my way around an Xbox the way my kids can. Um, right. So, so I, and I have two choices then I can either be like, I'm scared of this. This is not good. I don't understand it. I don't know what to do. And I have to either be worried about it or accept it wholeheartedly, which I think is the wrong attitude, or I can go, uh, you know, I'm not going to worry or accept it wholeheartedly. I know what I care about. I know what's right for my child. And I'm going to sit with them and really look in, with a critical eye at what they're doing and consider where it's problematic and where it's not and make those decisions from an informed place um, um, in, in, instead of trying to, to scapegoat a tool. Because I think often there are so many dangers. There are certainly so many dangers involved in, in, in these tools. I've met kids who, who have developed really unhealthy relationships with video games, who 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 can't stop playing? Who have lots of unhealthy habits? Uh, but when we scapegoat the the devices and blame the devices, then we're really not addressing the real problem, which is which is that that, that those kids develop those unhealthy relationships with their devices for the same reason some kids develop unhealthy relationships with food or with money or with sex or with work. Right? We develop unhealthy relationships when we're dealing with much deeper psychological problems, and it's really dangerous to blame the symptom uh, uh, and then. Not also figure out what the deeper problem is. So, so I would say to parents, your kids need your love. They need your support. They need your they need your they need your attention. And uh, and it's not helping to sit there and tell them that this thing that matters so much to them is an evil temptation. All that's, well, that's doing is making them feel guilty about it all day long, and that's going to create the kind of self-loathing that leads to addictive behaviors. Right. Well, your book has been quite the hit, The New Childhood, and so congratulations on that. 
and uh, and we just we really really do appreciate you joining us today on Positively Dad. Thanks so much. It's my it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Great stuff from Dr. Shapiro. Again, his book is The New Childhood, and you know, so there's a couple of things that stood out to me, and the one is. Are we teaching our values? Is it is it about the screen? Is it about what they're watching? Is it about what they're doing on it through social media? Uh, or is it really about our values? And he opened by talking about going to the playground. We don't go take our kids to the playground, drop them off, and go home. We play with them and teach them the rules of the game. So how are we as parents teaching them the rules of the game? So I'm going to share some rules of the game with you, if you will. This is from Parents Magazine. And they did this uh, story a while back, and they and they looked first some surprising info. One thing that really stood out to me was that that okay, so you've got to be 13 to have a social media profile on most of these sites. And uh, there was this study though from the UK that said about 28% of 10 year olds are on some type of social media. They've got a social media profile of some type. 28%, 46% of 11 year olds, and 51% of 12-year-olds have some sort of social media profile. So here's what parents said. I'm just going to kind of go through their story. And the first was very much in agreement with Dr. Shapiro, start early. And, uh, and you know, they say, look, if, if kids, even if they aren't on social media, they can be using different websites. And we've got to teach them about these things, teach them how to behave, teach them how to act. And if they've got older siblings, maybe help Use them in that conversation to teach the rules. Second, they say make a plan. Make a plan about what they're allowed to do and allow them to proactively think about what they should be doing online. And they talk about the three S's of healthy social media use, which is, number one, effective self-regulation. Number two, healthy socialization. And number three, overall safety. And so do we have a plan around those, th- those three things, self-regulation, socialization, and safety? Then it says prioritize privacy. And, and you, know, you do have the ability, for example, to go and turn your social media platforms private so that not just anyone can interact. And that's really important because there's a lot of people out there that might choose to reach out. And if we aren't there watching and supervising and we're still working on teaching, then who knows what might happen. So, so Put privacy stuff into place. Then it says enforce good etiquette, right? It's no different than the etiquette we'd expect at the playground, to use that one again as an example, right? So talk with your kids about proper, proper social media etiquette. And, and what Dr. Shapiro is saying is that so many of the challenges that we face on social media now, we could fix if we taught children how to use it. If we learn from the beginning the right way, then some of the garbage that goes on on social media now might not exist. Then it says teach them accountability, right? Teach them accountability. Now, you know, one thing that you can do is is monitor what your kids are watching and looking at and writing and then remind them that people can delete things too. If somebody says something mean, you know, to them, they can delete it. And then finally, the last one is practice what you preach. Yeah, that means we have to behave too. We can't go off our lid. We can't be screaming at people, bullying people online. Uh, this can't be as a do as I say, not as I do, right? Let's practice what, I, what we preach. And if we go a little bit further and looking at the debate, now we move from social media now to the debate of just how much time. Like, hey, we're going to travel. Here's the tablet. Watch a movie. You know, the, 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 studies, the, the studies say two things. Limit the time or pay attention to what they're watching. 
right now, most parents are more concerned about what kids are doing on a screen or a tablet or a phone than what they're watching. And that's a shift from you know a few years ago. Uh, a study that came out from the Family of Online Safety Institute said that 64% of parents are more concerned about what they're watching and how they're using it as opposed to the 32% who are concerned about the time. And that's been a shift. So the truth is, I mean, it doesn't really matter. However we look at it, technology is here. It's not going anywhere. And we're raising our kids in a different, uh, a different time than we were raised. And it's time for us to understand that they're going to have screens. And instead of going, don't use them, why don't we teach them how? That's, that's what I got out of today. I trust you got some value out of today as well. Well, we're going to wrap up with the Kids Corner. It's something that we do every single week. And this is when my first grader, my daughter Naomi, comes and joins us and talks a little bit about whatever she wants to talk about. Now, the way this works is I'll always let her know the topic, and then she just talks about whatever she wants to talk about. I don't coach her. I don't tell her what to say, any of that. I just say, here's the topic. So I told her today we were going to talk about screen time, and I, I mentioned to her that uh, I talked with Dr. Shapiro about that new little kind of smartwatch that she got, and so that's what she wants to talk to you about today. So here she is. Here's Naomi with the Kids Corner. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids Corner with your host, Naomi. Hi, I am Naomi Shaw, and today we're going to talk about a smartwatch. Well, first of all, my school can't have smartwatches. I'm only allowed to have them on the weekends at home. So um, you can play with them in the car, whatever you want, but not at school. So if you have a kid and she really wants to get a watch, go ahead and let her get a Fitbit. Or you can let her get a smartwatch. A smartwatch is, it has games, it has fun things. It's so fun. Like it has lots of games, it has even the time, it has timers, it has lots of cool stuff. So that's it, we're going corner. Have a great day, bye. Well, there you go. Get her a smartwatch if she asks for one nicely, right? It's really cute, actually. It doesn't have Wi-Fi, so she can't access anything. She can play a lot of games, though, and it does have the time. She can take pictures, stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate you joining us today, and I trust that you got value out of this episode of Positively Dad. I'm, I'm really actually very honored and excited that we were able to get Dr. Shapiro to join us. And um, he's very much in demand. He's all over the place. And the fact that he took time out for our podcast I was very, very kind. I'd recommend that you follow him online. He's on Twitter and Instagram. Post really great stuff that just you know opens your mind to think. And I think you might get some value out of that as well. So check him out. And if you would, follow us online as well. PositivelyDad.com. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at PositivelyDad. And I'd love to hear from you. James at PositivelyDad.com. Send me your feedback and let me know what you think. We're excited you've joined us. And we'll see you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.